Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're back. I don't have any surprises this week. I I don't. I've come empty-handed. Well, mostly. Oh, man. What a letdown. It's just we hit episode 500 and just everything's downhill from there, I guess. Yeah, that was the that was the crest. Uh, we got clips, and now we're just we're just gonna go back to talking about video games and maybe having time to recap the news. Uh, you know, if there's time, if there's time. if there's time. Yeah, yeah, it's not like there's anything big going on. No, we can, we can ignore that. There's other podcasts that can cover that stuff, right? That's fine. Exactly. Let them pick up the slack. Exactly. Yeah, we got 500 episodes. We we don't need to do the news anymore. It still does feel surreal. I know we're, you know, we've talked obviously about episode 500 a lot leading up to it and obviously doing it last week. But uh, yeah, I uh, actually I was having a good laugh about that the little bit earlier on because I literally 10 years in and 500 episodes later, I was like, you know what I should do for game of the year? I should go in and highlight in a specific color to make it easier for me to find when I go back at the end of the year. I'm like, I've been doing this for 10 years and I never thought to highlight the ones that I really enjoyed playing. Like, oh, (sighs) that's a good one because, you know, no, that's perfect because this is the start of the year. We would only have to go back like two episodes, one really, I think, like to 499 (laughs) just to make sure like, okay, we've got our... Or maybe that wouldn't, it was even, anyways, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Uh, color coding <laughs> things. And this way we, we still have to go through all the tabs, but we only have to glance. Well, uh, exactly. Perfect. And because the problem that I always find, and I think that this is the problem that all game of the year voting has, is that like the stuff you played, unless it was like amazingly, incredibly impactful, the stuff that you play that comes out in like January to like April Sometimes even into the summer, you forget about it. You either completely forget it or you look back on it and go, wait, did I like that? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. So I feel like this way I'll be like, yes, I liked that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. I was very enthusiastic about this while I was playing it. And while I'm talking about it to you, and if you guys are wondering what I, what the heck I'm talking about, uh, it's called Nobody Saves the World. We talked about this last week a little bit, and uh, I've played quite a lot more since then. Uh, It's a style of game I don't normally enjoy, but this one, this version is, has just really sucked me in. It's a whole lot of fun and I've unlocked a lot of stuff since we last spoke. So I'm really looking forward to chatting about this today. Um, So Ryan, I, I want to make sure I don't spoiler anything for you so how far are you into nobody saves the world oh are there spoilers it feels like the story is nonsense are you talking about gameplay spoilers uh well no story spoilers okay (laughs) i mean the story is not like nonsense i mean Uh, it's it's kind of um i guess it's on the scale of probably like a zelda story i mean realistically it's like oh my god this this big terrible power is gonna come and destroy the world and then there's like you go to different areas of the map and there's a whole bunch of NPCs and stuff and they all have their own little story about how the calamity is affecting them. So, I oh. mean, some of it is kind of nonsense for sure. Like there is, a, it has a nonsensical kind of sense of humor, but <laughs> yeah, there is definite, there's some story. Yeah, yeah. But it's very, kind. Of, it's kind of surface level-y. <laughs> yeah, I've only experienced sort of the nonsensical stuff where I think I just got to the point where 
the NPCs were starting to open up and and have those conversations of like, oh, okay, you're going to help us save the world. Because like the first major dungeon you unlock is a king outside and he's like, well, you know what? You stay here and we'll just wait for someone to come fix this. And then you eventually fix it. And when you come out, he's like, woof, it's a good thing we waited. Someone must have come by and solved the problem. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm right here. And I get it. It's nobody saves the world. And and uh, and he's nobody. And he, he's constantly being um, undermined by everybody. But uh, <laughs> shortly after that, you unlock like more characters that are giving you quests and stuff where the story does seem to... I mean, the basic story so far is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's this gem split into five pieces you find the first piece that's what i did and you're trying to put all the pieces back together to defeat the evil wizard that is like kidnap somebody or something am am i am i on the right track (laughs) basically yes so the game starts with you waking up in this like shack thing and you and you are nobody you have no clothes you're just you're like the blandest of bland characters and you discover that this great famous wizard has gone missing. Mm -hmm. And so you are on a quest to defeat the calamity, which is the big evil, bad thing that is impacting the world. And you are trying to find out what happened to the wizard because the wizard he's, uh, I it's not Nostradamus, but it's very close like name wise, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it, what the what the wizard's called, but um, you basically want to try to find him because he's the guy who would normally save the world. So you're nobody. You got to find the guy that's somebody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's it's. And then there's this like guy named Randy who like yeah, thinks you stole Randy something. Yeah, Randy the Rad. Okay. <laughs> and he's oh my god, he's awful. <laughs> but he's like. <laughs> He's awful, and that makes him one of my favorite characters. Like, he's just such a douche. <laughs> but, like, every bad thing ever happens to Randy. So it's, like, just karma. There's so much karma. <laughs> yeah, I I really, really enjoy the sense of humor. Um, there's one part in the world, and this isn't, this isn't really, like, a spoiler spoiler. Um you're like walking down a path and you find a knight who's like just laying in the path and he's like oh i'm dead i died i'm dead and then he like gives you three of his stars and then if you go over and talk to him he like lifts his head up and he goes when people get killed they're like dead okay and then like flops back over again but you can keep talking to him and he basically just goes leave me alone i'm dead It's like it's so dumb, but it's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I mean the fact that they're like the story appears to be nonsense. There is a story, but like, it's not the reason you're playing. The reason you're playing is to watch all the the numbers go up, the bars fill in, and all the different you know combat mechanics for for the forms that you're in. I mean, I literally unlocked. That's the spoiler. I think is like what you're unlocking in the forms. You know, yeah, somewhat. I would say, yeah, I you can see when you're looking at your um, do they like tell you what they are? Form yeah. progression, yeah. When you unlock the lower level, then it'll show you the next level of forms that are available once you hit a certain rank with, with the forms that lead into it. So it's kind of like a kind of like a tech tree almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's like you start with one and that one unlocks two and then those two unlock two more and then it kind of comes back together again and you unlock the 
there's like one form, which is the egg that goes right up to the top. And so you can see what like the final form is going to be, but there are some, there are some that are hidden for a little while in that, in that tech tree. But yeah, they're not completely hidden from you because you can also like try to target different damage types. So I don't think we talked about this last week, but um, once you get to a certain point in the game, there are what are called wards. And that is like one tick of damage. So it doesn't matter how much you just have to hit an enemy with one tick of damage from a certain damage type. So there's light and dark and sharp and blunt. And so if an enemy is all like brown with like a a hammer over their head, you have to hit them with blunt damage. Then you can do whatever damage you want to them, but you have to break their initial ward in order to deal damage to them. Mm -hmm. So the tech tree is sort of revealed to you at least one level away from, or like it shows you what your next unlocks are. It gives you the name of a character and it shows you their base attack damage type. So you can say like, if you haven't unlocked any light characters yet, you can kind of say, oh, okay, well, I need to level up this character in order to get to that light character so that I can do this dungeon. Um, Because that's the other piece of it is that like damage types and abilities and builds really start to come into the game the further on that you get. So different dungeons will have like modifiers. So um, for instance, there's one dungeon that I just did that is um, all damage increased by 9,999% or something like that. Like basically it's everything's a one shot. You and your enemies, everything's a one shot. So you have to build like put different abilities together to make sure you're able to break all three wards that are on that dungeon, as well as be able to like dodge your balls off. And also um, that you can kind of hit things from range or whatever to make sure that you're not getting hit by damage. Cause if you get hit by anything, you die. Um, so that's one specific dungeon, but then there's other dungeons that will have different mixes of damage types and different modifiers on them. So it becomes a very interesting and robust combat system where you can't kind of just pick one character and then only play that character the whole way through, which depending on how you view that character uh, or that, like, I guess, choice uh, that the devs have made, like if you really love playing as the mermaid, then it really sucks if you can't play as her for a while. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that uh, I it took me a while to kind of wrap my head around that. And I wish I'd kind of realized sooner how important unlocking a variety of different characters is as opposed to just like one or two. Because um, you have the ability, and Ryan, I think you've already unlocked this. You You can combine abilities and passives um, as you level up your both your forms and your like general character level, um, you can unlock the ability to use other people's abilities and passives. So building a character starts to get really complicated, but in in kind of an interesting way, but it's really slowed me down. So I went about it by basically trying to complete as many quests as I could to level up the base character level as high as I could. 
And now I find myself kind of stuck because I don't have enough forms and abilities to meet the challenges that I'm facing at that higher level. So I kind of like, I don't necessarily want to say I played it wrong, but I think focusing on the forms is definitely like the right way to play, air quotes. (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, and they encourage it too. I think you get to a couple dungeons where they are, uh, especially with the customizations of, of abilities, they're basically saying like, okay, now it's time to basically you can make any form um, have the ability to progress through a dungeon, as you said, like taking out wards and stuff uh, on certain enemies. Um, but I really appreciated like, I think I, I think I really got into playing as the rat and have I, I had a good build for him based on. So once you unlock the customizations, they give you uh, two additional quests that basically guide you into your first customization and i think this one was like improving your uh, ability to apply poison and i think giving them uh like a like a sharp ability i think i i had the rat shooting arrows i i I believe right which is super fun when you've got like characters that it doesn't make any sense on using abilities so there's uh i think you unlock him pretty quickly but there's a slug yeah and so the slug has this like slime ability that like makes you zoom around and leave this big trail of slime behind you and you can give that to like your magician (laughs) and it's just like wait what are you doing now (laughs) like it just looks like you've got this magician dude prancing along with a with a hat with a rabbit in it and he's just got this trail of poop behind him (laughs) like it just it's it's really fun (laughs) it it works out quite well and i realize like i'm trying the the choices i'm making when i'm talking about the forms i'm trying to choose ones that I are pretty low in the tree and that I unlocked really early. So I'm trying not to spoil anything that's, that's too far up the tree. <laughs> yeah. Like, as you said, you can look at, I, I think like, can you go past a certain threshold on the tree? Like I, or is it? Well, you can see the whole thing. It's just okay. some of them are like blurred out. Um, uh, okay. If you have, if you haven't unlocked the character below them, then they're blurred out. Okay. So yeah, I, uh, I think like I was, and then once you realize how you're unlocking more uh, forms, you have to get like a certain form to a certain level, like level them up. And you do hit a cap of like, I was playing as the rat and I unlocked all of uh, the quests uh, for the rat. And it's basically, and, and then, and then you're capped. Like it says basically like, Oh, you have to keep playing to unlock more quests for the rat to level him mm-hmm. up past. I think in this case it was level B uh, to his, to his maximum form of, of yeah, a. you have to progress the story enough and then so if you get to the point where you've completed all the quests that are available for a certain form the game will actually pop up and and warn you and that still happens um like at any point any level in the game once you run out of form quests like it'll pop up and tell you like hey you're you've completed as much progression on this character as you can for right now do you want to go and and choose a different form basically Mm, okay that's good to know I mean, I've really enjoyed the progression. I I think there are forms that I don't necessarily like playing as much as others, but I found that once I gave them a, a as you said, gave them a shot, they really uh, grew on me. Mm-hmm. I felt the same about one in particular. I really, really hated it. There's a lot of directional abilities in the game, which 
when you're in a dungeon that has, you know, like swarms and swarms and swarms of enemies, it can be really easy, especially some of the smaller characters to lose track of where you are. And then if you're, you know, facing the wrong way, you could accidentally waste something that costs a lot of, of resources to cast. And so I, yeah, I had a couple that um, I really, really didn't like with just their base ability. But once I started, once I unlocked the ability to like combine different actives and passives from other characters and also leveled up that specific form enough to start to unlock some of their other abilities, then I could really see how the character was meant to work. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is this is okay then. This is pretty cool. Um, so there's there's it's just it's such a big game i think that's the biggest surprise to me is that i kind of looked at it it wasn't very expensive uh, over on steam and as as we said last week it is available on game pass for both xbox and pc so like i don't know my expectation like i literally thought like small indie company small indie game like this will take me five hours and now i'm like 15 to 20 hours in and I feel like I'm, and again, I'm, I've been kind of stuck. I haven't known exactly what to do in a couple of different cases. And, and like I said, I played the game wrong, which seems to happen to me a lot. But anyways, <laughs> I feel like I'm about halfway through um, in terms of the number of dungeons I have left to do and the amount of the map that I still have to explore. So I think I've got about three or four more areas to explore and probably... I would say like eight dungeons, maybe. So still quite a quite a chunk of content to do. Yeah, I totally forgot where I was going with that. Well, you, but, it's oh, a right. huge it's game. It's such a big game. It's a huge game. Yeah, between um, all the different forms and all the possible combinations with all of those forms, all of the different dungeons. So in any given area, like I thought there'd be like maybe one <laughs> or like at first, actually, I thought it was just like the main story dungeons. So like, Ryan, when you complete the main castle, which is the first kind of dungeon you do um it points you in the two different directions right off to the left and the right mm -hmm. so i thought it was like main castle and then like dungeon on the left dungeon on the right let's go and like you said there's one gem that's very obviously broken into five pieces you get one piece from the castle so i figured there would be two other dungeons somewhere up in the northern part of the map but then as you're making your way over to the story dungeon like it felt like every corner I turned around, there was another dungeon to do. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so there's so much content. And the dungeons are kind of randomized, I will say. Um, they have like three or four different layouts that you'll come across, basically. So each time you enter is, is a different layout. But I, the pool of different layouts isn't that big. Um, but it does mean that if you have to redo a dungeon over and over and over and over again, you do get a little bit of variety, which is kind of nice because there have been some dungeons I've just whacked my forehead against. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done a ton of dungeons, but there was one that I was struggling with. And I think it was like um, there were two keys and it, it was a split at the start and you had to go get the two keys and then come back. Um, there was a, a bit of backtracking in it that was, you know, not ideal. It was basically just walking to to get back to the other side of the well but there's some the characters that have very high move speeds and because you can swap your forms on the fly once you clear a wing of a dungeon you can just switch into that other character with a higher move speed and run to the start of the dungeon true i forget like i need to remember 
more often about like doing little switches like that <laughs> to speed to speed things up because I'll just be sitting there like slugging along. You're <laughs> like, oh man, this is, this is so far away. This is taking so long. I'm like, oh, I could be a horse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's such a, a creative game in the sense that it, it, is, it, it yeah. really is encouraging you to use all these forms. And, and you know, I, 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 I'm still finding myself like unlocking forms and it's like, oh, an egg. Who would want to play as an egg? And I and I haven't yet. Uh, I don't know if the oh, egg is like OP. Oh, you should try it. Okay. It's so fun. I, I played it's it for... so stupid. It is. See, I, I think I played it once. And I think when you... It has one power. It's hold A yeah. to roll forward. And if you hit anything, you lose health. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense on paper, of course. Because it's an egg. Um... <laughs> But like, I kind of want to give my egg like a a bow and arrow so that it can shoot arrows. So I, I feel like there's a lot to love about it. It's it's such a, an amazing you know experience in that like once you get into it, and it is my style of humor. So when I say the story is nonsense, like I'm cool with that because that's my <laughs> this is my humor where it's basically like people just being it's just nonsense and which is great. And uh, I love uh, the developers are. You know, they, they did uh, Guacamelee 1 and 2 and uh, Severed, I think, which was a big iOS game. And they're based out of Toronto. They're they're Canadian. And it's it's really awesome to see these games get, you know, this type of highlight. Like, they're on Game Pass. You know, a lot of people are talking about it. And I don't think their other games really got yeah. that much notice. I've seen a lot of people who have been like who, who never talk about like games who never talk about because my uh my twitter feed is is a mix now of cybersecurity folks and um gaming folks obviously um but normally my feed is full of warcraft and hearthstone stuff but every once in a while there's a game that just breaks through and everybody's talking about and right now that's nobody saves the world and i just yeah this game is full of unexpected things whether it's the the size or the characters, or the sense of humor, or how much people just seem to be loving this title. Uh, but yeah, I think it's all of the buzz and all of the praise is very warranted. I'm having a great time to the point that like, I'm going to finish a dungeon crawler, like an action RPG with a ridiculous amount of like talents and things to level up. And it's like, it's not quite grindy. Like I'm always doing different things, but yeah, like this is not the kind of game that I would normally play. And oh my God, you guys, I'm just, I'm loving it. It's so good. It's, it's my first highlighted game from this year that I'm going to talk about again in December when we do game of the year, 2022. So get ready. <laughs> yeah. Keep that in mind. It'll come back yeah. up in 11 months. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I wanted to get a, uh, so, you know, we talked about um, action dungeon crawlers and another one we played last year was boyfriend dungeon and i played a lot of that on the phone with my backbone controller uh streaming from the xbox because i i find the xcloud stuff doesn't work quite as i mean if you have it on the local system and you want to play it handheld that that seems to be the best way to get it to get it to stream um and i i wanted to try nobody saves the world because it feels like it would be a fun just i've got five minutes i don't want to go set up the home theater i'm just gonna like you know, pop my phone into this controller and, and, and start streaming. And it is a very quick, you know, just a couple steps to get going. And, and oh, yeah, and you can you can hop in, hop out of that game pretty quickly. Yeah, there's uh, unless you actually go into a dungeon, there's like save points around almost every corner. 
Yeah, it's I, I'm going to try that on on, uh, you know, streaming it and playing it because I feel like it's it's also not like a Diablo style. Even Diablo really isn't like a Twitch sort of, you know, action RPG. This one seems like as long as you're at level for dungeons, um, I did struggle with one dungeon, but I think it was just me, you know, not using the right combo of powers. But I really feel like if you're at level, like the combat is fairly forgiving, you know, like you are is, healing yeah. as fast as you're dealing damage. And there's a lot of abilities that will, you know, give you health as you're as you're working through and, and enemies are dropping health as you're you know, in combat. So like, I feel like it's, uh, it's something you could easily play on the go as well. Um, if you wanted to get in there and, and check it out, like it's, it's just a really sweet game. And honestly, I, I, you, you don't have these games come, come across very often where that's just, it's just pure fun. And mm-hmm. like the way you level up the way everything progresses, like there are quests you can buy that are repeatable. And it's like, Hey, here's a repeatable infinite quest that gives you XP for just killing enemies. And it's just constantly, you know, giving you that XP. It's just constantly filling up. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's a bunch of that on top of this story, on top of these dungeons, on top of quests, upon quests. And it's just, it's just so much fun. It's just a delight. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing that I found that kind of slowed me down a little bit actually was almost like, too much choice they they introduce you to the three factions in the world fairly quickly with um when you i think actually at the point you're at now ryan um once you defeat the main castle which is the first dungeon or the first major story dungeon um then the knights guild opens up and there's three of those type of factions and each of those factions gives you like five quests at a time and they're kind of spread out all over the world. So as soon as I found those factions, I was kind of like, oh, man, like, where do I go? What do I do? Like, I'm finding all these dungeons. I've got all these quests. Like, it was like too much choice <laughs> and not enough direction. Because basically, the only thing I knew was that I wasn't powerful enough yet to go and do like the next big story dungeon. But uh, I didn't really know what the best way was forward. And so like too much choice was what I would say is like one of the issues is <laughs> too much choice, not enough direction. But that's only like if you want to get through the game as fast as possible. I'm having fun just being in that world. So the fact that it's taken me a lot longer than most folks probably to finish this game doesn't really bug me because I'm having fun the whole time. So yeah, a couple of the those couple of little drawbacks really come down to like personal preference, personal um, choice. And, you know, they didn't bug me too much, but they're things that might bug you. So uh, not you, Ryan, specifically you, the they listener. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, th- there are, you know, especially early on, I think once you unlock that first dungeon, it's a pretty guided experience until after that, when it's like, OK, now. Then it kind of lets you go and like yeah. lets you loose on the world. And, and that's when it kind of starts to get a little bit overwhelming, just that right that point in the game. But yeah, again, mm-hmm. I was having fun just kind of exploring. So, yeah, no, it's yeah. uh, it's it's you just have to let go. I mean, if you're if you are trying to beat it as fast as possible, I think you are going to run into those issues. But if you're just if you're just in it for the fun and exploring the different forms you can unlock and just 
discovering you'll know when you enter an area that you're not leveled up enough for because yeah. there'll be you know skulls instead of numbers uh, next to the person or the enemy's names so yes <laughs> discover that a few times <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think overall definitely recommend nobody saves the world it's on game pass for free or if you uh want it is available on steam as well so go and check it out it's really really fun i highly recommend it ryan what else have you been playing this week Yes, so a game I started over uh, the holidays and have kind of been chipping away at over the last couple of weeks is Shadow Tactics Ico's Choice, which is a standalone expansion to Shadow Tactics, which is a, uh, a I don't want to say very old game, it's a five-year-old game. So they've, you know, released a standalone expansion for this game. And um, I remember Shadow Tactics when it came out. I never played it. I did not play the original uh, Shadow Tactics, but I remember people talking very highly of it. It's a sort of like a, a stealth strategy game. Um, folks, you know, listening might remember my discussions about Desperados 3, which came out a few years ago, and I, I played through the whole thing, loved it, which was a similar game, stealth um, strategy game where you are controlling, you know, a set of heroes that have a set of amount of abilities as you work your way across a map. Um stealthily because if you get caught it brings in a bunch of uh, reinforcements and essentially makes the map impossible uh so there's a lot of like what they would call save scumming but really they say like they want you to quick save they want you to have that ability to roll back it's even part of the gameplay where it's like hey you haven't saved in two minutes you might want to do that or else you're going to lose all the progress you've made um there are like incentives to not save as much like extra bonus stars but but who who has that <laughs> kind of i do not have that patience I'm, I'm i will i will save every five seconds like if i move a dude and, and he didn't die perfect save let's do this um yeah within a certain degree but this is a this is a standalone expansion so it brings it back I, I, my understanding is that it's all five characters from the original game uh it's a story that takes place before the final mission of the original game so essentially i think there's this moment in in the main game where they all come to this table and like okay we're gonna do the final mission and the story that was not told that is now being told in this expansion is essentially well we didn't we didn't say this stuff but really what happened was some person came in and was like hey you gotta i've got a bone to pick with you and and i'm gonna kidnap half your crew and leave the rest to die and and that's what <laughs> kicks off this this story. I think it was uh, the main character, Aiko's like old teacher or something, and she's come to betray them all. Again, <laughs> never played the original. The story, you know, serves a purpose to to kick off this uh, this this uh, this new adventure or this side adventure. But really, what it comes down to is is about the gameplay, um, where you are controlling these five characters, uh, and they all have different abilities. And it's very similar to my time with Desperados 3. And and honestly, I'm glad I played Desperados 3 because when they throw you into Ico's Choice, there's, there is a limited tutorial, but like they give, they have everything at your disposal. Like the tutorial isn't so guided that it's like, okay, now do this and now do this. It's like, no, it's very much just high level concepts. So if you haven't played Shadow Tactics or Desperados 3, you're kind of coming in blind and they're throwing you into the deep end as you're, you know, trying to escape this first map, which is littered with enemies. <laughs> um, so at the start, I kind of struggled to remember all the mechanics of movement and stealth and, and hiding, you know, bodies after you take them out. 
And but it but it came back to me pretty quick because I I put a lot of time into Desperados three, um, so I I've been I've been enjoying it. Like I'm um I th- I think I'm like halfway through it. It's not very long. I think it's like six missions, six full missions, and maybe like three mini missions. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just I've been having a good time with it. It's a good if you like strategy, like if you like RTSs where you're you're kind of just micromanaging five hero units like that's essentially what you're doing Mm. and you're setting up like these elaborate you know um methods of of moving through the map stealthily so you can you can queue up moves with your different characters to basically say like okay like this character can wear a disguise i'm gonna have her distract this guard while my other two dudes like you know one throws a uh, a throwing star and then the other guy you know, goes over and, and takes out, you know, another samurai or something. And, and there are different, there are a whole bunch of those scenarios where you're having to do it in sort of, and there's a bunch of vision cones. So again, you got to make sure that you're like making sure you're not doing it. And when a patrol is going by and then they see you, and they, <laughs> they do the alarm. I was wondering, cause I was just looking at a, at a video of it and mm-hmm. I was like, what are those big giant colorful cones on the ground? But yeah, vision makes sense. <laughs> yeah. They give you all the tools that you need to, to make your way through all the encounters, but almost like two, like a lot of different tools that you can use at your disposal. So like, again, for me, as soon as I got to the map where you unlocked the disguise, which you have to, it's part of the story of the map, you have to go collect the disguise, which makes sense because you'd want a disguise that is going to fit within that specific environment. Mm. So as soon as you get that disguise, like, well, of course I'm going to use, you know, my character so that uh, in disguise so that she can move among the enemies and then turn their vision away from maybe a couple other, you know, guards that are kind of loosely standing by, you know, it, it, it makes it so you have to kind of think about all the tools you have available, including like not just the ones that um, allow you to kill people from close by or kill people from afar. You have to remember, oh, I have an ability that um, will reduce their vision cone and distract them for a little bit so that I can quickly sneak by with whatever, you know, unit I need to get by. But like the whole missions are kind of presented in this way of like you, you have to get from point A to point B. And while you're getting from point A to point B, you're literally like killing all the enemies on the way. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you'd think they'd notice that they've, they've set up all these elaborate guard patrols. And then all of a sudden, like where are all the guards, like all the guards (laughs) South of here are gone. And everyone North of here is just oblivious to what's happening. Um, But like, it sets up these really interesting moments where you feel as though like you're accomplishing this great thing by using all these different abilities in tandem and you can cue them up and then hit a button to make sure they all happen simultaneously which you'll need to do oh neat so like there's a lot of that strategy to it and it again like desperados 3 encourages experimentation where you know okay well maybe if i move this character here and wait until this guard moves past i'll be able to use these two abilities and then quickly pick up the bodies and move them so that the patrol doesn't come and see them and then there's like different enemy types so like certain enemies are stronger you can't take them out until you stun them first or you use your big dude and and he can take them out but it takes a little longer to take them out because he's got to fight them um and then there's like noise 
levels as well. So like when that guy's fighting, like that makes more noise. So if there is a guard that may have turned his back, but is close enough to hear the noise, like it's all visual. You see all that feedback. So, you know, right away, if you fail, like, okay, like I need to let that guy walk a little further before I take this guy out. Mm. And that's where the quick saves come in. So you want to make sure when you're (laughs) trying something, you're saving so that you can keep trying something or if it's not working, try something new. Um, There's a lot of environmental stuff. So like you can have a patrol walk by like a stack of barrels and then push the barrels down on them. And, and then that like, it, it causes that obviously that guy to be taken off the map, but also like guards around him will be like, Oh, what's that? And they'll quickly look over and then walk away. Like there's just so many different ways you can move through the map. And the story is like, it's, it's very, it takes itself very seriously. It is. But to me, because I never played shadow tactics, I don't know these characters. I kind of feel like it's just, the story is just a a way to move us on to the next, you know, scenario. Um, Whereas with Desperados three, where I played through the whole thing, like the story, you know, the serious story to it, it, it made, it was, it was important to me. It made sense. And, and, um, I understood what was going on, but in shadow tactics, I'm like, okay, this person's clearly evil. They've kidnapped two of my folks. We got to go save them. Um, they evidently underestimated me because they thought, they thought like, oh, I'll just leave you with these three random guards and they'll take you out. It's like, mm. no, like one of my dudes can literally like do a whirlwind attack and, and take you all out at the same time. So yeah, so take that. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't see that coming. Clearly, they didn't. They also didn't play the base game. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, it's just it's uh, it, it's a smaller game. If you like these styles of like, you know, if you like Desperados Three, I highly recommend checking this one out. If you're looking for more in that vein, and and es- essentially as well, like if you're looking for something in a different, you know, time period, a different location, like this is set in the like Edo period of Japan. Um, you've got a lot of samurais, you've got assassins. It's just, it's so cool. And it kind of fits the stealth a little better. Like Desperados three being like cowboy style stuff. Mm. It didn't really like make sense. I don't think cowboys are very stealthy. No. Honestly, it feels like whenever I think of cowboys, I think of like high noon standoffs. There's nothing stealthy about standing in the middle of the road, gunslinging. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, with Desperados 3, there were those moments where there were, like, standoffs and you had to, like, it was, I think one was like, oh, uh, if, if they see you, they're going to shoot. So if they saw you or your crew, they would shoot. And in this case, it was like, you had to, like, move across the map and take out all the enemies and then take out the main guy last. But again, like, You'd think he'd look to his left and be like, hey, where'd, where'd all my guards go? <laughs> where'd my friends go? <laughs> yeah. Is that a weird blood trail being dragged into that alley? <laughs> yeah. And you literally, you, you have to, you, you have to move the bodies because if there's patrols, they'll find the bodies, which will again, bring, you know, ring the alarm and stuff. And, and again, it, the alarm will bring out like 10 more guys and they just sort of like fan out so again you want to you'd want to reload because it's hard enough with the way they've set up you know the way they've set up enemies but like it it's a it's a smaller game it's a standalone expansion you don't need shadow tactics um be prepared if you're heading in blind like you might you know take some time to get used to the mechanics because they do uh they do throw you in right away with three of the characters and you and they are the more advanced characters in terms of like making your way across a map uh and their abilities 
but there is a scenario right after that where it kind of it focuses down puts you with one character where you're having mm. to move across a map that'll take 20 minutes as opposed to two hours like that's how long it takes to do like a like a base scenario is, is two two hours to kind of get through it. it it's a long they are long maps so you might not be even be able to finish one i took a couple sittings to get through one of them um <laughs> not that i wasn't enjoying it though like it was a lot of it was fun and i felt as though like there were moments where like other strategy games where it's like okay i've done a bunch of stuff i can stop here and know when i come back this is a, like a the same map but a different area where i have to use different abilities and stuff so like you're not going to want to sit there and finish this in one sitting because they are long maps but i would have liked to maybe see like more of a introduction you know um essentially because it is a standalone game like it's a 25 dollars canadian game it's not a oh what's the word expansion dlc for yeah the existing game right yeah like it's connected to the base game uh in in that it is a part of that story but it is very much it is standalone so you could come to this and play it and and not know anything else and i think that is a that that can cause issues i think i think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need to know what you're getting into with this because it does start off there are tutorials but like you have to kind of pay attention to the interface and read all of the the moves and stuff like whereas i remember in dust oh, brothers oh man i have to read i'm out <laughs> yeah there's uh there's reading um but you know for the most part like it's it's just knowing what your abilities do and i think for, i think for that you know that base scenario that you start with you could probably get in there and and go in blind but you are going to hit walls of like, why do I keep, you know, why do they keep seeing me? You know, uh, so you're going to need to know like the base mechanics of moving around and, and taking out enemies stealthily. And and again, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big ramp. Like it starts off slow and then, you know, there's a couple enemies, but then right after that, there's a whole open area where there are like six different guards and a bunch of patrols. And then you're having to take them out you know, kind of one by one and slowly windle them down to move forward. So it's, it's hit and miss. But again, like, I think if you are jumping in and you, you like, you know, that samurai, you know, feel of, aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, that aesthetic and, and, you know, uh, all those abilities that, that you see with, you know, the trailers and stuff like that, it makes a lot more sense that this is a stealth game than Desperados, as you said, like a bunch of, you know, you got cowboys with guns and, and shotguns and stuff. Whereas this, there are, they have those abilities that you're going to use like as a last resort, you know, like, uh, I think there's a couple of like, I think one guy has a gun. I, I think I never use it because again, why would you? Cause it just, everyone <laughs> would hear it. It's got a huge noise <laughs> radius. Um, <laughs> and you know, when you can go around, you know, stabbing dudes. So like, I think like, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun and uh it's it's a good strategy game it's a different kind of strategy game i think that if you had told me i would enjoy like stealth strategy games i'd be like oh that sounds like uh it sounds like a, a you know a time sink but like really like it is fun to get in there and do a couple encounters that take like 15 minutes in within the same map and then jump out because again like the story I, I don't know what's I, I i understand what's going on but i'm not connected to that story that's the biggest hurdle i have is that really like 
if you played Shadow Tactics, you've probably already picked up Ico's Choice because you enjoyed that story. And I feel like that's the big miss that I'm having here is that I never played Shadow Tactics. It's not ruining the, the experience, but it's like it's removing me from the story. Like I, I don't feel as connected to these characters, but it's still fun to play. So you think you should pick up Shadow Tactics like the first one and play through that before jumping into Echo's Choice or... Like, even though this is a standalone game, you would benefit both mechanically and story-wise if you played the first one first? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think I think you would certainly benefit from a, from a mechanic standpoint, for sure, of playing either Shadow Tactics or um, Desperados. Desperados 3. And the funny thing is, I think Desperados 3 was on Game Pass, and I think it's either being removed or has been removed. And Shadow Tactics, I thought you know, it, it had come out and it was like, it was, it was, it, but it's gone on sale a bunch of times. Um, but it's actually, it's actually like, I think it's like 45 bucks. So it, 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 it's one that you, if it goes on sale, it'll, it'll be a steep discount. But yeah, I think that, uh, having some sort of connection to the gameplay, that's a must, unless mm. you really do want to do the work to learn the mechanics. But I think it'd be, it'd be a pretty, steep learning curve like i said there are tutorials you pick up these little scrolls as you're moving around in the first couple maps which will explain like basic stuff but you still have to kind of i i really did benefit from playing another game and i and i felt like desperados 3 had a much better tutorial uh ramp up you know and Mm -hmm. uh yeah, and and you know, funny enough, you, you wouldn't think it, but like the the skills of playing Desperados three over to Ico's Choice, like it's kind of funny how those translated, even though they are like it's a very similar setup of gameplay, but it is a completely different you know era, completely different characters, completely different abilities, but like there's enough connection between the two. So I th- yeah, I think Desperados it was on Game Pass. It might be on like PlayStation now. I think it's making its uh, mm-hmm. subscription um, uh, tour, so uh, you yeah. can probably find that pretty easily. But there, I see here there's a demo. Um, Shadow Tactics, the first one. I'm assuming it's Blade of the Shogun because that was yes. the one that I've. Okay, yeah. So that one is uh, 43.99 Canadian on Steam right now, but like you say, it's probably going to go on sale. And uh, Ico's Choice is is less, twenty uh, something. I had it open and I closed it and then I forgot. (laughs) Nailing it. (laughs) You guys are welcome for all this up-to-date information. (laughs) 20-something dollars. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's 25. Yeah, 25 bucks. I think like if, again, like I'm not saying that the game is impossible to play if you haven't played the others. I know personally from the way I like to play games, I like to have like, you know, a slow ramp up when it comes to these very complex strategy games. Like, I need that tutorial. Like I was probably the only person that was excited that like with each Starcraft expansion, they taught you how to play again in the campaign. Other people probably hated it, but I loved it because it's like, <laughs> I want to be I baited. I have forgotten how to do everything in the last couple of years since I last picked up Starcraft. <laughs> that too, right? Whereas people are like, oh man, why am I having to learn how to move the, the drone again? And it's like, yeah, but you know, it's fun to kind of like have, you know, check boxes yeah training wheels exactly exactly. (laughs) it makes you feel like you're kind of maybe gonna be okay at this strategy (laughs) game before they just rip the rug right out from under your feet and totally have you fall on your face (laughs) exactly so like that's my biggest thing is i really wish there would have been more more 
more tutorial, more ramp up there. Even if it was like before, like the the bad guy comes into the to the meeting room, it was like, remember that time when we learned how to, how to use all our abilities? Yeah, that was great. Here's a training dummy out back. Why don't we pretend we're kids again? <laughs> exactly. See, it writes itself. Exactly. Well, yeah, again, you guys can get those over on Steam or check out your subscription of choice and uh, take a look at Desperados 3 as well. Um, you should also check out patreon.com slash the gamers in if you'd like to support the show, if you like the work that Ryan and I do here at the gamers in, we are looking for our February patron. So again, patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. That brings us to the news this week. We got a little bit more information on Xbox buying Activision and Blizzard. Uh, Phil Spencer has talked about uh, over on Twitter um, reviving old Activision games as Microsoft is like giving everybody room <laughs> to develop whatever they want to develop because one thing that was kind of a trend over the last like i would say at least five years uh was basically activision buying up studios and then using them <laughs> to just work on call of duty and that's they're so sad <laughs> I mean, it's the same on the Blizzard side as well. There have been um, smaller studios that have been gobbled up that have done like um, strategy, like RTSs and stuff that were brought on to to build um, like Warcraft 3 or rebuild Warcraft 3, that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, it sounds like Phil's like, eh, you guys don't have to do that anymore. We have plenty of people here. They would totally love to work on COD. You can make your super cool thing that no one's ever heard of. Go for it. We'll put it on Gay Pass. Like, it's, I'm looking forward to uh, to the devs being able to kind of like flex some of that creative muscle as well as bring back some some old um, Activision properties like Activision proper that um, that haven't seen the light of day in a really long time. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, it this all, this makes sense for for activision or for xbox to do this like it they just have so many resources right like why wouldn't they kind of let the devs that they're paying an unprecedented amount for kind of like flex their creative muscles a little bit i think they're going to get a lot more out of this acquisition if they if they do that if they just give the devs some space to create and then use their existing staff to kind of like backfill the gaps in in some of the larger properties yeah and I mean, this is, you know, going back, I, I think last week when we talked about this, it was, it was fresh. It was that day it got announced. And I think mm-hmm. we've had a week to process it. And I think one of the things looking back on that conversation is like, I felt like, oh, maybe I was too positive about the, a giant company buying like a, like a, a, still a giant company, but not as giant. And I think when it comes, you know, to this specific news story of like Phil Spencer, and again, you, you can take him at his word because he's been he's been genuine before and and it's panned out and i think you he's can... got a little bit of cred exactly. i mean as much as the ceo of any corporation can have yeah more i think he i, I think he certainly has more than a lot of ceos like who, that we could name, way but... more than fucking bobby yeah exactly <laughs> i think someone i was re i was hearing like i guess he well he did a bunch of he did a bunch of interviews where he basically deflected he... why he <sighs> sold and uh, I didn't put it he in the did notes. So but. many interviews that I'm like, I don't understand. Like, do you not have a PR person that works for you, or do you just surround yourself with yes men? Because there is no way that those interviews should have ever been done. It just made him look like an absolute fool. And I mean, like all the insults that I've hurled at the man, I 
I'm not even going to swear because I don't even need to. Like, he just, he looked so dumb. Like, he made a joke of himself. He just, I couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. Like, oh, the stock was down because uh, we had to push Overwatch and Diablo. It's like, no, first of all, you pushed Overwatch and Diablo because you forced your devs because there was one of the devs that actually, um, like, put out a statement and was like... (laughs) literally well actually Bobby Kotak and was Mm. like, this is what actually happened on the development of these games since we're breaking NDA and all. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, like it just, it was absolutely ridiculous. Like who thought those interviews were a good idea saying that those delays caused the stock to fall. It was definitely part of it for sure. Because if you're not going to ship two major AAA titles within a fiscal year, then your stock's going to go down. Sure. But at the same time, like you're also being sued by multiple like state and federal bodies. Like you have a serious sexual harassment problem and workplace equality problem. You have a terribly toxic culture. Like, And everybody knows that now. (laughs) So shipping games, sure. But also, like, you are the target of many, many lawsuits, sir. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Those are the kind of interviews that you would expect if none of the articles between July and January had been written about, like, how he threatened to kill people and about, like, you know, like, that's going to impact your stock price, Bobby. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that... oh, so tone deaf and he's such an idiot. Yeah. It's it it like hearing those interviews has been like, I think one was, you know, something about Guitar Hero, like, oh, we would have brought back Guitar Hero if it wasn't so expensive to get like chips. And it's like, I mean, yeah, like, I guess I guess that makes sense. But like. You, you you're not bringing back guitar hero though and like no we we folded those people into the call of duty farm and yeah I, and i think like this story about you know xbox uh you know phil spencer saying like we're gonna look at old activision stuff old blizzard stuff and basically allow these devs to to make what they want to make because there's such a huge amount of game i mean crash 4 would not have been made you know if there was some push from developers to want to make that game because it doesn't scream what activision has wanted to do over the last years to make billion dollar products that Mm -hmm. sell year over year and i think you're gonna see based on this story you're gonna see call of duty kind of move out of that yearly release like even ubisoft has moved away from yearly assassin's creed games you know like it's just it's too much and it takes like this i don't know call of duty is what like six studios now you know you've got you've got the and they and they all you know exchange i think it's like three there's like three three main studios that are sort of handing off you know their game comes out and then they you know go back to the drawing board for three years and then another game yeah 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 they kind of rotate through yeah yeah like it's it's insane so um, imagine what you could do if you took some of like raven as a specific support studio made a really great first person shooter game. I think it was called, it was like a time travel one and I can't even remember what it's called, but it was really cool. It was one where you could like go back in time with the push of a button and and then you use that ability to kind of like manipulate the environment and stuff. And then people are screaming at their, I'm sure I could look it up, but it, it, it's, it's one of those games that I remember fondly. And then when they got, you know, kind of moved into being, uh, yeah, if I search Raven, of course, that's helpful. It just brings up a bunch of articles about uh, the a bird. That's better. <laughs> a 
about a bird. You know, about the bird, I should say. But uh, I need to remember what this game is called. It's going to bug me. Okay, so uh, it said uh, Raven was founded in 1990. It's all a bunch of Call of Duty stuff. Yeah, so Shadowcaster, Hexen, uh, Heretic. No. Singularity, that's what Singularity. it is. Singularity, okay. <laughs> I was getting there. I was like, it's definitely not Star Wars. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> Singularity was fantastic. And again, there are other ones like, uh, there are other Activision properties that could easily be brought back and, and looked at uh, with a new light. And I think that um, now that Microsoft has all that stuff and they can, they can go to the devs and say, look, like we are going to look at, Call of Duty is something that comes out maybe every two years. What do you want to make instead of doing maps? You know, so I think this is I mean, we don't know that for certain, but I think based on that story, it's like, I think you're going to see less focus on, you know, uh, building billion dollar products and just building games, you know? Yeah. Which I think is a nice focus for the industry to have to to just build games because I am a very... I am a supporter of the idea that if you make a fun game, people will pay for it and play it a lot. So I would like to see specifically Activision Blizzard kind of get back to that as opposed to, you know, selling loot boxes and trying to squeeze every last dollar out of you for cosmetics and stuff like that. So not to say that'll go away when they go to Microsoft. But at the same time, I mean, we spent how long today talking about nobody saves the world? Like I didn't even pay for that game. I pay for Game Pass and there are no cosmetics and no loot boxes. Like, seems like a good philosophy to me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. anyways, uh, Phil Spencer also made some comments about um, exclusivity, which was a a kind of a big question mark. And I think that uh, even with the comments that he has made about exclusivity, which basically he came out and said that he had a good call with the leaders at Sony and confirmed their intent to honor all existing agreements when they acquire Activision Blizzard and to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Um, He went on to say that Sony is an important part of the industry and they value their relationship, which, I mean, I feel like any time we've ever talked about, like, cross-platform issues or anything like that, like, Sony's usually the holdout. They're usually the ones that are causing the problems that, like, everybody else will play nicely together. And then Sony's off in their own little bubble. So, I mean, like when we're talking about like exclusivity or, you know, cross platform, anything, whatever, um, I think Sony has a lot more of, you know, uh, needing to step up to the table than Microsoft does necessarily. Uh, But at the same time, I completely understand the potential like problems and issues and concerns with exclusivity. I think that it is very safe to say it's probably going to go the same way as Bethesda in that um, new stuff is definitely going to be Xbox exclusive. You don't pay $70 billion for something to let everybody play it everywhere. Although that is a philosophy Microsoft seems to hold is just let people play what they want to play, where they want to play it, and they'll get a cut of it eventually. So we'll see. But in terms of like putting new big AAA like single player titles onto the PlayStation. I don't know if they'll do that. I think they'll keep some I think they'll keep some stuff in their pocket as exclusive um big release games. So uh so yeah, we'll have to see and that will include uh Blizzard's recently announced survival game. We know literally nothing about it other than it's a survival game and there's some job postings up for it. So um but we're going to go deep into that on the instance on Friday, but um 
basically what, like whatever Blizzard does is going to be Activision Blizzard. It's going to be Microsoft's, right? So um, I expect that this one will probably be like the first new game to be announced on Xbox and like PC, yeah. <laughs> I would think, coming out of, of Blizzard. It's very specific wording too, like right there in in the press release is PC and console. So like, yeah, to me, that's that is Xbox and P. I mean, I, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, I mean, the the acquisition still not final. It won't be final till 2023. But I think that this is the road that everybody is on. And these, yeah, they're they're comfortable using this wording. I don't know if any of it's actually going to get blocked because they do still have a whole bunch of legal hurdles to go through. But um yeah, I think this is this very much to me reads we're going to put it on PC and Xbox exclusively. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that we I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. I think the exclusivity stuff, they got to work their way through existing, you know, uh, agreements. It, it doesn't make sense to pay a bunch of money to try to get out of those or to lawyer out of those. Um, that just sounds like a lot of work. But when it comes right down to it, I think you're going to get to a point where it's not worth putting those games on a competing platform, mm-hmm. um, especially when it is you're 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 not getting as much money as you would if you just had them buy a console or, or pick it up on PC. So mm-hmm. uh, at PlayStation will be fine. Like I, I've seen a lot of people looking at like, OK, like what does PlayStation do? Do they like double down on Battlefield? Although Battlefield's had its issues lately. Um, do they spin up their own first person shooter franchise, like go back to kill zone and, and really put a lot of time and effort into, into making that again. And, and I've also, you know, there's been a lot of talk of like, what do you do with dev kits? Do suddenly, do you have PlayStation sending dev kits for new hardware to Microsoft? Like, no, they're not <laughs> going to do that. I mean, they might eventually once, you know, the console ships and, and they'll have to make sure that they can get minecraft running on it but that's a good point i didn't even think of that (laughs) yeah it's it's these little things like you know activision blizzard like having this huge roster of of games that especially with call of duty that is expected to be there you know at launch of a new console um how do do you send your competitor like a a dev kit like eventually it gets to the point where it's fine to send them like the you there's no surprises when you send them a dev kit to make sure mm-hmm. it's working but uh like they've already got the hardware out and everyone knows the specs and stuff but like it's it's one of those things for the next iteration of playstation whatever that looks like playstation 6 because <laughs> yeah. we know how they name their consoles so we can make a good guess of that but um yeah, yeah do you want to do you want to let that out or how soon do you want to let that out i guess but yeah. uh but yeah so We'll have to see. We'll keep an eye on all of this. Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the biggest story in gaming for quite a while. Um, so we will let you guys know when there are more updates. But for now, it looks like devs are going to get what devs want, which is to work on cool games. And PlayStation users are going to get at least a little bit of what they want, which is existing properties like Call of Duty staying on PlayStation. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll let you guys know what actually happens with in terms of the acquisition and all of the announced games coming out of Activision Blizzard that will be owned by Microsoft. <laughs> but we'll keep you guys up to date in the coming weeks. Uh, if you guys would like to g- join in the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays. Brian is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>